SMB Wisdom acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands upon which we have recorded this podcast today. We pay our respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello and welcome to the SMB Wisdom podcast, coming to you from the land of the Yuggera and Turrbal people. My name is Alice Rue and I'm a partner at SMB Advisory, the proud sponsors of this podcast. The SMB Wisdom Podcast is a forum to provide value tips for business owners from an extended network of experts on their topics of expertise. I'm so very blessed to have an amazing network of people who are fabulous at what they do. They might be accountants, lawyers, business owners, or any number of individuals that day in, day out, deal with the issues and problems that can plague small and medium business owners and come up with solutions, outcomes, and results to assist It's now my mission to bring some of this knowledge to small and medium business owners to assist them in making their good businesses great and their great businesses fabulous. Now on with today's episode. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SMB Wisdom Podcast, a forum to provide valued tips for business owners from an extended network of experts on their topics of expertise. My name is Alice Rue and I'm a partner at SMB Advisory, the host of this amazing podcast. Today I'll be talking to Simone Pentis, the founding and managing director of Advantage Partners Lawyers. Simone brings a background of extensive experience over her 22 plus working years as a corporate and commercial lawyer, as well as managing her own business for over 14 years. Simone is passionate about business and what is needed to establish and grow strong, sustainable and valuable businesses and get effective deals done to achieve her clients' goals and aspirations. Simone works with businesses to assist in their general day-to-day commercial and corporate matters with a particular focus on franchising, business sales and purchases and intellectual property protection. Simone has assisted in the design and establishment of various franchise systems and their international expansion. In her franchising specialty, Simone works with franchisors, master franchisees, and individual and multi-site franchisees to establish strong foundations for success and to achieve the best deals. Simone previously managed and operated the legal departments for the national and international networks, including Minor DKL Group, previously the Coffee Club Group, and Bartercard. Simone has presented at legal and business events throughout Australia and internationally judged state and national business and franchising awards, been interviewed on radio and podcasts, as well as spoken, presented and been involved in submissions before federal and state government bodies and representatives. The Deputy Chair of the Queensland Law Society's Franchising Committee and Committee Member of the Franchise Council of Australia, the Queensland Chapter, Simone recently established the Business Maximisers Club, a Facebook network for entrepreneurs interested in growing the value of their businesses to sell or expand. Thank you, Simone, um, for being with us today on the SMB Wisdom podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I have to say before um, I get in that um, Business Maximisers Club is a great Facebook um, network. I like watching what you put up on there and um, what you have to say. Um, Can we start off today by finding the traditional land you're coming from today? Yes, um, it's the people of the Yum, Yug, Yugambeh uh, language region. Yeah, the Yugambeh language region. That's fine. And that's on the Gold Coast. I'm I'm there mm. as well today um, recording this podcast. So that's not great. Not right. <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. Um, that's excellent. Now, we've heard part of your bio, Simone, but do you want to give us a rundown sort of of what you do every day, your elevator pitch, as it were? Well, I suppose it is I love business. And what I love doing is helping people 
grow and protect their business. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's finding opportunities that they didn't realise they could take their business to the next level. Other times it's preparing them to sell their business or purchase new ones. Um, so it's just that, again, I love business and helping people achieve their business goals. Oh, that's an excellent thing to say. And I think it's a really valued resource for people in business to have somebody like you who is equally as passionate about business as they are. Um, it can always help to have that aligned, I think. Um, well, before we start today, I just want to pop in a quick disclaimer, noting that everything we're talking about is general in nature and does not constitute legal advice of any kind. Um, if, however, any of our listeners have any specific queries for Simone, we'll let you know how to get in contact with her to discuss those further. Now, Simone, all of those things we could have talked to you about from your very extensive um, bio, uh, but we've got you on the podcast today to have a chat about um, business sales and uh, and selling businesses, which I think, look, depending on who you talk to, is something that um, business owners potentially should be, um, you know, thinking about virtually since day one of starting their businesses. Um, It should be something front of mind, do you think? I agree. Uh, And you can often see the people who have when they're going to the stage of selling their business, you often, the first few discussions, you can see, yes, this person has done this from the word go and it tends to be a lot smoother, a transaction mm. and likely you're more likely to get a more attractive to a buyer and at the price you want if you have actually taken that sort of uh, approach from the word go. Mm. And so you haven't, however, but you've been thinking about selling your business. At what stage, sort of how long do you think before putting the business on the market should business owners look at sort of snapping it into shape and putting it in a a presentable form? Look, I suppose it comes down to the fact of, you know, how attractive you want to be to a buyer and how much you want to save money on the legal and the business due diligence as well as, you know, get a higher price. The earlier you start, the more likely you're going to have those things happen. But Mm. it's, it's never too late. And it's better to get started now than later. Uh, look, I've done people who've literally had an offer put to them and haven't considered buying selling their business. So it yeah. becomes a bit more of a rush to get everything done. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, not everyone's got that great opportunity where someone desperately wants their business, so they don't need to prepare as much. But mm-hmm. again, if you want to reduce the costs of the transaction, you want to increase the likelihood of a successful settlement, and get the purchaser and price you want, the earlier you start, the better. So I don't tend to give a time frame. I just say to people, you don't have to do heaps now, but just maybe start on that path as soon as you can. And mm. uh, and you can do it in slow or you can do it fast, depending on what your goals are. But, you know, at least have a look at it and start the action. So when it, opportunity comes around or when you're thinking about it, you've got a head start. Mm, absolutely. Would I be correct in maybe making an analogy to if you're selling a property um, and if you've got a house that you're looking to sell um, and if you've thought about that and some people go and they might, you know, paint the, the house a little bit and do a few renovations to pull it into speed, they might also provide the building and pests so people know what they're getting into um, and they prepare it ahead of time. They may have an easier process as opposed to um, a fire sale, as it were, or someone that puts it on the market without even you know, having the tidy through or having any of the, the consideration. Yeah. Would that be a reasonable analogy? Prep definitely makes a difference. I think the only thing is that with a business, you've probably got a few more extra steps then to do and with some which might take extra time. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, but yes, it's, you know, if you prep for something, it will generally go a lot faster and less costly. 
Makes sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. So when you talk about those steps, what are the steps that people who are looking to sell their business um, need to go through? What's the process that they need to have a think about? Well, a few of the steps I would probably suggest, I actually did an article on one of my blogs on the website about maximising the opportunity. Um, And part of it is actually doing a preemptive due diligence. Mm. So put yourself in the situation that you are a potential buyer. Mm -hmm. What would you expect a buyer to want? What would a buyer be concerned about? Um, if you actually put yourself in that position, you start working out the things that could be asked to you and then you realising, do I have the information or documents to give it to that person? Because if I wanted to buy something, I want ABCD. And if I mm. don't get those ABCDs, well, I might not go ahead to you or I might lower my price offer. Mm. Um, so doing your own preemptive due diligence and, and also connected with that is do an intellectual property audit. Mm, that's a good one. A lot of businesses don't know all their assets, what they actually are, and in particular don't understand that intellectual property, which can be your copyright, your designs, your patents, which might be, for example, your manuals, your trademarks, um, your customer database, your supplier database, they mm. all have quite a bit of value. But um, you actually would get a nasty surprise sometimes when you realise that you think you have all these assets but either they're not legally protected or you can't prove legal ownership. And one of the good examples I have I can give is Mm. I had a situation where someone was looking to sell their business and Mm. everything was going really well and then they realised that the logo they had, they actually didn't own it. Oh, wow. Okay. um, They paid someone else to do it who owned the copyright. They owned a licence to use, Mm -hmm. not the actual ownership. The sale didn't proceed. There's so much value, especially over time, isn't there, in things like logos and things like even business names. You know, there's a lot of people who don't do the searches to register a business name if it's not, you know, uh, the company name or what have you and, and having a really good think about that collateral. And they don't actually realise that business name is important, mm. but it actually doesn't give you the reg- power that a trademark does. No, they, that's right. I've done my company name, I'm safe, or I've done my business name, I'm safe. And then they can have a little bit of a nasty shock when I sort of have to say, well, technically these are your assets and these are not your assets mm. or these are assets but their value is so much lower because you haven't taken these preemptive steps. So the intellectual property audit is very important, I believe. So Just on not- that one, Simone, I think that's exactly right. And just in terms of um, logos in particular and trademarking, it's not always a really simple approach either. It's something that can take some time. We, we own um, mm. SMB in our space um, and our logo. Um, and for us, that took a long time. To, we're very proud of that, you know, and we, yeah. we, we think that there is a lot of value in that. Um, but that takes some time. Like, and I'm talking years in order of proving, you know, what, what you're using it for, why you should have it. And they're not things that can happen, you know, at the click of a finger when you decide it is time to sell, is it? Well, it, it depends also on the logo you picked or the name you've picked. Mm-hmm. Um, more unique is easier to get registration and the process will generally be a bit faster. But yeah. if it's not as unique, then you can have a bit more of a battle. Um, to give you an example, I've got another client where their name was a bit arguably descriptive. Okay. Um, we said no because they have established such a reputation it takes it to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, originally we got rejected and then yeah. it, we had 15 months to prove our point. Yeah. Uh, we proved our point, we got it. But that's you know the process initially plus an extra 15 months to get through to then do the uh, registration. So we were successful, but it costs a lot more to get the process through. 
Mm. Um, and uh, I did mention to the person at the word go, if you do actually do a name change, we can get this a lot faster. But no, <laughs> wanted that name and we got it for them. So And there was probably a lot of value in that name, to be honest, mm. as well. So it is oh, it's a bit of a catch twenty two sometimes. A lot of other clients where um I mean there's also different tips and tricks we can do mm. when we do trademarks to get a bit of a head start on what's going to be an issue, what's not going to be an issue. Mm. I had another client, we had to actually do a coexistence deed with another group oh, to get that up. Wow. So the intellectual property is quite interesting and I don't think people realise how much value um, particularly because I do have an experience in franchising and licensing mm. I, mm. and the value that uh, you know a brand or logo or name can have can mm. be quite phenomenal and it will kill oh, sale or it will bring the sale price right up depending on the situation. And I think you're right in terms of that, that IP discussion and probably another podcast in there for us to have that chat about because I think it's incredibly interesting and I do agree with you. I don't think people put enough emphasis on that in terms of the value that that can add or detract from their business. Um, and it, even if you don't look at trademarks, um, mm. your manuals or your databases, do you actually yeah. own the rights to them? Because they're quite, uh, people assume that it's my database, it's it's my manual, I own it. But again, um, I've had some nasty surprises where people realise that they actually don't have the legal rights to sell it to someone else mm. and hand it to someone else, or they've actually breached the law by doing it. So it can't be included in the sale. Or, again, you know, people assume if you pay someone to do something or a friend to do something for you, mm. that because it's for you and for your business, you own it, you don't. Mm. And that can be a very hard pill to take and sometimes friendships or contractors change their viewpoint and say, well, if you want it, that's fine, you know, better pay me. Wow. So, yeah, no, been, that that's, can be a very hard pill to swallow, can't it? The other point I probably would today is talk to your lawyers and accountants before mm. So you want to get lawyers and accounts who understand business mm-hmm. um, and, and have business experience. That's very important because you can, in, as you would know, you know, lawyers and accountants, you can all specialise in different areas. Of course. And uh, you want someone who actually understands not just the, the, the legal requirements under the law or accounting, but someone who actually understands the practicalities as well yeah absolutely savviness but talking to your lawyer and accountant can often help because it gets you understanding what needs to be done to get to a sales situation Um, also any potential issues Um, or sometimes it would be from a legal perspective it may be saying well if you want to sell the business you realize you need to get these contracts finalized first or you need to get this agreement locked down because Mm. what your assets you're selling is you know this is your main supplier or this is your main customer but it's actually not contractually in a place that yes. you actually have a bigger asset to sell. It is something where a buyer will say part of my due diligence is that I want to ensure that those customers are locked in or mm-hmm. that supplier is definitely locked into you so that when mm-hmm. I buy it, I've got a viable business. Mm-hmm. So, And it's also, I suppose, um, you know, making sure the structuring and tax awareness yeah. is too. Absolutely, yeah, and we've had a um, we've had another podcast recently uh, recorded where we've spoken about sort of common tax issues in terms of structure, and I know that um, we've spoken there about as well, especially on exits and the, trying to make sure that you get the right people involved to advise, because otherwise uh, you can end up in a very nasty situation from a tax perspective if it's not done correctly. And and also, I suppose you want to understand what is GST what is stamp duty and what are the other taxes in that regard because how you draft the contract will actually impact on certain how taxes apply and just mm-hmm. the portion 
of purchase price may have a big effect of what your tax liability down the track will be because of, you know, just one paragraph in the document. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I wonder, uh, Simone, is there other advisors that should come into play in terms of um, a business sales? Obviously, you know, a lawyer and accountant and they're trusted advisors to a business um, any day of the week or they should be in any event, especially just to make sure that the business is protected and to make sure that the business sort of has what it think it thinks mm. it has and also um, in terms of its accounts and its balance sheet and these sorts of things are in a way that can be presented for those sorts of um, sales purposes. Are there any other sort of um, advisors that you would normally deal with in terms of a business sale? So lawyers and accounts tend to be the main one, mm-hmm. but also depending on whether or not you used a broker, to help okay. transact the sale, so the broker may be involved, or you may want to get a broker if you mm-hmm. if you got if you're lucky enough, someone's offered for you, yeah, great. But if you want to get it. out there, um, you can either sort of do your own advertising, which I'm seeing mm-hmm. a bit more people doing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I just say I need a broker. I want an experienced broker who can guide me through this. You know, the practical aspect can locate the right people to me, so I'm not mm-hmm. wading through all the different options. I'm getting to the right people. I'm not wasting my time or risking my confidential information going to various parties so a broker can be another person we definitely need to talk to Um, again I've got clients some have and some haven't used them and then the other thing I'd probably say is talking to your bank Mm. um, because you need to know you know if I want to sell my business is there anything I need to be aware of Um, this could trigger a big repayment or this could Mm. trigger um, you know impact on your personal home or personal assets or it may be a situation of, um, well, you, you can't sell a business unless you get this purchase price because we're not going to release our charges. Mm. So a bank and the only other person I probably would say at this time would be if you're in a franchise system or in a licensed mm-hmm. system, um, then you might have to get their consent. Yeah. So, um, again, depending on who, what type of business you're in, you may actually not be legally able to sell your business without... Mm process which might be offering a right of first refusal mm-hmm. or actually meeting certain criteria that that licensor or franchisor you have to actually meet otherwise you just can't sell a business unless you want Absolutely. to be sued yeah and so just to break that down a little bit so the right of first refusal is basically going to the the franchisor and saying look i'm looking at selling my business do you want it first to to, to offer it to them first back into the into the franchisor um before being able to put it to market that's that's right yeah so most franchisors will actually have in their franchise agreement um requirements on what has to be done if you want to look at selling and Mm -hmm. almost everyone i've seen there's always a right of first refusal process so that is just one it can be to make sure that um if you're selling it really cheap they've got the option to buy it yeah um and otherwise, I mean, I have seen some franchisors who will exercise that right, but mm. others more commonly will not exercise that right and then you just go through the process of getting their consent to the transaction, which may require mm. a number of hurdles to be jumped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But also you've got to keep in mind the timeframes because, yeah. um, you know, you, if you've got to give a, a right of first refusal, you may actually need to let them know they might have 14, 13, 60 days to mm. come back Um, And if you're under certain areas of law, you may also have additional steps that have to be done um, if you're, you know, retail shop lease situation. Mm -hmm. I probably should add landlords as well in that. And I think landlords are a very big one, to be honest. We um, 
you know, and I know it's a very different aspect when a company, you know, is in a liquidation or is in sort of um, a forced sale mm. situation. But um, contact with the landlord for us is consistent in order to keep the landlord happy and understand and work together. Because, you know, obviously the landlord's better off when you do have somebody that can come in and take over a lease. Um, but they're very important. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, I suppose I said the law and account probably would be the first step I would usually say, um, oh. depending on how you're selling it contacting the broker and then touching base with your, you know, your bank, uh, your franchisor or licensor if you have them and your landlord if you're a fixed site tenancy, probably some of the original people you would be contacting to find out what steps you have to take to be able to get to a successful sale. Mm, no, absolutely. Simone, if I could take you back a couple of questions. You were talking about with due diligence and sort of doing that, um, you know, doing your own due diligence on your business to see what other people may want to um, want to have from you if they were looking at purchasing your business. Can you maybe run us through a few things that customers would like to see if they were interested in buying your business? Yep. And can I just say, even if you're not looking to sell your business, doing a regular review of your due diligence is a fantastic thing to do. Okay. Because even if you don't want to sell it, you may want an investor. Mm, of course. Or other things with your business. And it's, it's also a good way to check, you know, are you secure? Are you safe in what you've been doing? Oh, so absolutely. I think the preemptive due diligence, usually what I'll say to people is I'd like you to work out all your assets. What are you, all your assets for your business? So mm -hmm. list them all out. So, and they will be physical assets. They will be intellectual property assets. It'll be people assets. It'll be mm -hmm. uh, property assets. So break them all down. So that's why I usually say do that first. Mm -hmm. and then from that, I probably will say as part of your due diligence, what is necessary if you have to operate the business. Yeah. So if you need to continue operating yourself or if you want to sell to someone, what do they need to be able to keep operating the business? Mm. And so when you've broken that down, you can say, well, here's all my assets. Here's the ones that are necessary in a sales situation. Mm -hmm. And then the next step would generally be, okay, do you own those assets or are there restrictions on you on those assets? Yeah. If you own them, do you own them outright? Mm. Uh, we've done a lot of PPSR searches, which um, for those who don't understand, mm -hmm. it's personal properties register that um, it changed a few years ago. I'm mm -hmm. not exactly a fan of how it changed. I think it was a bit more uh, clear previously. Mm -hmm. yep. I've had a number of clients where we've done a search for them and we found um, a lot of unexpected security oh, over really? them, mm -hmm. including ones where the bank has done it wrong. Yes. And then you have to try and ring a bank you haven't really got a, maybe a current real relationship with mm. to get an error. <laughs> because yeah, that's difficult. Or suppliers you haven't actually dealt for a long time but they haven't bothered to take off of uh, you know, yeah. security. You'd, mm. you'd see a lot of that. We likely. see that a lot. And I must admit it is uh, you know, one of the first things we do do is a PPSR search to see where the secured creditors or who you know is a potentially secured creditor um, and against what asset. Um, and it is surprising to me, to be honest, how many come off and say, oh, we no longer have a, a security here. We've withdrawn it now. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, I think if you were a potential, you know, purchaser of a business and you know a ppsr search you can do on anybody like as long mm. as you've got their acn or their abn so if you went in to start doing your due diligence and you did a ppsr search and it came back with reams um of you know registered uh securities interests you'd probably think twice 
you know, about, you know, taking the next couple of steps. But if, if you're able to get that cleaned up, I think that would probably look a lot nicer. Well, we had one of our clients where um, they made a new process to actually, you know, review that register on yeah. a regular basis to see what surprises they might find. They were yeah. a large, large company mm-hmm. and they had a lot of unexpected ones registered against them. So it became a job for one of my team members to actually contact every single party to get yeah. almost all of them removed because I think, you know, we, we knew that we'd expected maybe two and I think it was the whole page plus yep. listed. And so, it's surprising, right? Yeah. And it's not absolutely. always fast. It's not always fast. No, not at all. Well, sometimes as well, you know, if you've had a supplier, and I know we're going off on a slight tangent here, but if you've had a supplier that's gone out of business, um, it's, they, their PPSR sort of registration email may not necessarily be going anywhere. Yeah. So it is actually quite difficult then to sort of have a response. And we've got one at the moment where I'm trying to figure out um, what a certain party is secured over and we just can't get anybody to respond to us on that. And, you know, obviously there is times and, and, and things that you can go through to get them off, you know, separately. But it's not easy and it takes a lot of time um, than if you aren't. And cost, of course, yeah. Um, then if you were to do a regular review and you were to able to, you know, contact people once you had finished a relationship or, you know, somebody had a new entity and we transferred a security over to a new entity or what have you, uh, to get that in check then. Yeah, so doing sort of a regular pre, you know, uh, a preemptive due diligence, as I call it, I don't think, you know, it's a good thing to do because it's knowing what are your assets, mm. What is necessary for the business and, you know, mm. do you hold it? Are there any restrictions on you? And it also reminds you if, oh, I better get this registered as a trademark or, mm. oh, I better make sure that contract is finally signed mm. um, because that's what I said. It's my little spreadsheet. So No, that's fabulous. I'm not Some, an accountant. I like this. No, spreadsheets are good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for spreadsheets. Yeah. Simone, if you want to send us a link to that blog post, I'm happy to put it in the show um, the show notes and our listeners can go and have a look um, because I think that sounds like a really valuable um, piece of sort of information for people to have. Um, excellent. Now we might take a quick break there and we'll come back and talk to Simone about her best tips in relation to business sales um, and we'll let you know how you can contact Simone. Thanks, Simone. Thanks. SMB Wisdom is proudly sponsored by SMB Advisory. SMB Advisory is a specialist firm of chartered accountants dedicated to providing specialist insolvency services to financiers, advisors, directors and individuals. The team at SMB Advisory are a safe set of hands to talk through your options when things get tough or when you find yourself in a tricky business situation and you're not sure what's next. Call the team on 1800 762 238 or send a message through the website www.smbadvisory.com.au to talk through the next steps in your business journey. And welcome back to the SMB Wisdom Podcast. We're here with Simone Pentis. Welcome, well, welcome. Thank you, Simone, for being with us today. I'm learning a lot about business sales and the prep that's needed to go into there. Before we leave today, are you able to give our listeners your top tips if they're thinking about selling their business? Well, first off, as I said, is that preemptive due diligence. You know, that I think is one of the best ways mm. to not only understand your business and the value in your business, but also understand any potential issues and how to actually deal with them to increase mm-hmm. the likelihood you're going to get the settlement and mm-hmm. you're going to get less costly but more money. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, as I said, uh, 
I, I actually have an IP register I give my clients because I get them started on the process. Yeah. So, you know, start creating your own little registers um, of your intellectual property or of your material contracts. Uh, definitely you need to talk to your lawyer and accountant early, mm. earlier as possible because they can tell you what is going to potentially cause an issue or what you need to be aware of. A lot of people don't realise there's actually a few hurdles before they can actually sell. Mm. Uh, and then the, probably the big thing I'd say is do not sign anything um, until you talk to your lawyer and accountant. There has been so many times I could have negotiated better terms or my client signed something which were either the contract or the terms, even terms of offer. Mm-hmm. And then they expected me to negotiate all these things into the contract and I said, look, I can try, but you've mm-hmm. signed a term sheet which doesn't actually allow us to argue those things. Yes. And so... That's a big thing I should really mention. Is I not... think that's in any anything, isn't it? <laughs> Many think, oh, but it's only a term sheet. But that can still mean I've got to spend mm. so much more time negotiating or you didn't actually realise that when you said yes to this, you said yes to ever five other things mm. as well. Um, I can give you a little a little thing I had once. One little thing um, is I had, I've had some clients where they've had to uh, negotiate who pays the cost of the lease being transferred Um, and uh, sometimes the buyer pays it sometimes the seller pay it sometimes both pay it uh, 50% each Um, I have seen lawyers charge just for a lease consent and assignment anywhere between one and a half thousand to over eight thousand hundred plus GST just for the consent I had a client where the business transaction I acted them in that instance I acted for the buyer Mm-hmm. Um, I charged less than what the landlord did just to consent for doing the whole transaction. Mm. And uh, at that time, the seller was self-represented. Mm. So I, I felt for the guy, um, mm. but we were lucky that I had negotiated for the buyer in that instance and we weren't paying any of those costs. No, but and just, I think that's that's the, the, um, the benefit, isn't it, of having good advisors in your corner? And saying that, I suppose, touching base with certain people before you go into the contract as well can also give you a heads up of, you know, what should be the costs and no nasty surprise later on. Mm, no, look, absolutely. That's fabulous advice, I think, Simone. Um, now, going off the topics of business sales for a minute, what is the best piece of business wisdom that anybody's ever given you? I feel, look, I've had a few over the years, which I've been have. Um, but I suppose one of them is just to... I think, you know, have a bit of faith in yourself and go for it. Mm. Um, I think we can sometimes be our own worst enemies um, when we're trying to do things and we second-guess ourselves so much that we actually don't take up some of the opportunities that are out there. Um, Saying that, I always have a legal disclaimer (laughs) with that, that you need to make sure you, you know, don't just jump into it, but make sure you're protected first. Um, But I think, you know, sometimes we got to actually go for things. Um, Mm. And I suppose the other thing is, Again, it's, it's really interesting both as a business person and as a lawyer. I come from a family of business owners. So I think that's where I got that passion for business. Mm. Uh, it's because I've come from a range of different people from different business, small businesses. Cool. But, um, and I suppose it's part of the, you know, things sometimes to go for things, opportunities. But it's, it's also the situation where um, I think if you can, those who are passionate about what they do will not only enjoy it, but I think it will go better, the business and and your life. So if you can be passionate about what you do 
or maybe sometimes you need to find those areas you're a bit more passionate about and focus your attention a little bit more on that if you can. Oh, I think that's fabulous wisdom. That's um, that's that's great. Thank you so much, Simone. And thank you again for coming on SMB Wisdom today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And look, I think you've provided um, a great deal of insight and probably um, a lot of other topics that we could talk about and we probably should be talking about for our listeners. Um, and I hope that we do get to do that again at some point in time. Um, before we go, can you please let us know where we can find you if listeners would like to, to connect or, or get in touch with you? Well, um, more than happy to, uh, if you're interested, join our Facebook group, the Business Maximizers Club. Um, there, I'm sure I can possibly put a link to that. Um, of course. Um, yep. So that's on Facebook. It's the Business Maximizers Club. Otherwise, mm-hmm. our, our law firm website is um, www. Um, www. Sorry, advpartners.com.au, which is short for Advantage Partners. And we're also, both myself and the business are in LinkedIn. Um, and uh, we've got also a business uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook, which has been an interesting development that I've only done in the last few years and just pushing myself out of my comfort zone and going for it. Well, that's great. And as I said, I, I think um, that that Facebook group is great. I quite enjoy seeing what you post in there and I'm known to, to post a couple of comments there from time to time. But I think you're doing a, a great job. Um, excellent. And we'll have all of Simone's full bio and details of how to contact her in the notes um, and also on our SMB Wisdom web page. Thank you again to everyone who's listened in today. Please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of the fabulous episodes we have coming up. Please also give us a rating so that others can find out about us too. Join us again for our next episode of SMB Wisdom. And in the meantime, be wise in business. Thanks, Simone. Thanks.